Chapter Sixteen of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Some further explanations. We go back here to the matter of the point of view, for besides being vitally important, it is the one that is likely to give the student the most trouble. We have been trained, partly by mistaken religious teachers, to look upon the world as being like a wrecked ship storm-driven upon a rocky coast. Utter destruction is inevitable at the end, and the most that can be done is to rescue, perhaps, a few of the crew. This view teaches us to consider the world as essentially bad and growing worse, and to believe that existing discords and inharmoniousness must continue and intensify until the end. It robs us of hope for society, government, and humanity, and gives us a decreasing outlook and contracting mind. This is all wrong. The world is not wrecked. It is like a magnificent steamer with the engines in place and the machinery in perfect order. The bunkers are full of coal, and the ship is amply provisioned for the crews. There is no lack of any good thing. Every provision omniscience could devise has been made for the safety, comfort and happiness of the crew. The steamer is out on the high seas, tacking hither and thither, because no one has yet learned the right course to steer. We are learning to steer, and in due time will come grandly into the harbor of perfect harmony. The world is good and growing better. Existing discords and inharmoniousness are but the pitching of the ship incidental to our own imperfect steering. They will all be removed in due time. This view gives us an increasing outlook and an expanding mind. It enables us to think largely of society and of ourselves, and to do things in a great way. Furthermore, we see that nothing can be wrong with such a world or with any part of it, including our own affairs. If it is all moving on toward completion, then it is not going wrong. And as our own personal affairs are a part of the whole, they are not going wrong. You and all that you are concerned with are moving on toward completeness. Nothing can check this forward movement but yourself, and you can only check it by assuming a mental attitude that is at cross-purposes with the mind of God. You have nothing to keep right but yourself. If you keep yourself right, nothing can possibly go wrong with you, and you can have nothing to fear. Ne Chapter 5 Of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, Please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 5. That changes in sects and tongues, and the happening of floods and pestilences, obliterate the memory of the past. philosophers who will have it that the world has existed from all eternity, it were, I think, a good answer, that if what they say be true, we ought to have record of a longer period than five thousand years. Did it not appear that the memory of past times is blotted out by a variety of causes, some referable to men, and some to heaven? Among the causes which have a human origin, changes in sects and tongues, because when a new sect, that is to say a new religion, comes
builds up, its first endeavour, in order to give itself reputation, is to efface the old. Should it so happen that the founders of the new religion speak another tongue, this may readily be effected. This we know from observing the methods which Christianity has followed in dealing with the religion of the Gentiles. For we find that it has abolished all the rites and ordinances of that religion and obliterated every trace of the ancient belief. True, it has not succeeded in utterly blotting out our knowledge of things done by the famous men who held that belief. And this because the propagators of the new faith retaining the Latin tongue, were constrained to use it in writing the new law. For could they have written this in a new tongue, we may infer, having regard to their other persecutions, that no record whatever would have survived to us of past events. For anyone who reads of the methods followed by St. Gregory and the other heads of the Christian religion will perceive with what animosity they pursued all ancient memorials, Burning the Chapter thirteen of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thought Greatness is only attained by the constant thinking of great thoughts. No man can become great in outward personality until he is great internally. And no man can be great internally until he thinks. No amount of education, reading, or study can make you great without thought, but thought can make you great with every little study. There are altogether too many people who are trying to make something of themselves by reading books without thinking. All such will fail. You are not mentally developed by what you read, but by what you think about what you read. Thinking is the hardest and most exhausting of all labor, and hence many people shrink from it. God has so formed us that we are continuously impelled to thought. We must either think or engage in some activity to escape thought. The headlong, continuous chase for pleasure in which most people spend all their leisure time is only an effort to escape thought. If they are alone, or if they have nothing amusing to take their attention, as a novel to read or a show to see, they must think. And to escape from thinking, they resort to novels, shows, and all the endless devices of the purveyors of amusement. Most people spend the greater part of their leisure time running away from thought, hence they are what they are. We never move forward until we begin to think. Read less and think more. Read about great things and think about great questions and issues. We have at the present time few really great figures in the political life of our country. Our politicians are a petty lot. There is no Lincoln. No Webster, no Clay, no Calhoun, no Jackson. Why? Because our present statesmen deal only with sordid and petty issues, questions of dollars and cents, of expediency and party success, of material prosperity without regard to ethical right. Thinking along these lines does not call forth great souls. The statesmen of Lincoln's time and previous times dealt with questions of eternal truth, of human rights and justice. Men thought upon great themes, they thought great thoughts, and they became great men. Thinking, not mere knowledge or information, makes personality. Thinking is growth. You cannot think without growing. Every thought in general. Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting 
This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. Chapter 3 Avoid Debt. Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this. I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in paying and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out, and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, I have got trusted for 60 days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. Chapter 16 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Some further explanations. We go back here to the matter of the point of view, for, besides being vitally important, it is the one that is likely to give the student the most trouble. We have been trained, partly by mistaken religious teachers, to look upon the world as being like a wrecked ship, storm-driven upon a rocky coast. Utter destruction is inevitable at the end, and the most that can be done is to rescue, perhaps, a few of the crew. This view teaches us to consider the world as essentially bad and growing worse, and to believe that existing discord and inharmoniousness must continue and intensify until the end. It robs us of hope for society, government, and humanity, and gives us a decreasing outlook and contracting mind. This is all wrong. The world is not racket. It is like a magnificent steamer with the engines in place and the machinery in perfect order. The bunkers are full of coal, and the ship is amply provisioned for the crews. There is no lack of any good thing. Every provision omniscience could devise has been made for the safety, comfort, and happiness of the crew. The steamer is out on the high seas, tacking hither and thither, because no one has yet learned the right course to steer. 
we are learning to steer, and in due time will come grandly into the harbor of perfect harmony. The world is good and growing better. Existing discords and inharmoniousness are but the pitching of the ship incidental to our own imperfect steering. They will all be removed in due time. This view gives us an increasing outlook and an expanding mind. It enables us to think largely of society and of ourselves, and to do things in a great way. Furthermore, we see that nothing can be wrong with such a world or with any part of it, including our own affairs. If it is all moving on toward completion, then it is not going wrong. And as our own personal affairs are a part of the whole, they are not going wrong. You and all that you are concerned with are moving on toward completeness. Nothing can check this forward movement but yourself, and you can only check it by assuming a mental attitude that is at cross-purposes with the mind of God. You have nothing to keep right but yourself. If you keep yourself right, nothing can possibly go wrong with you, and you can have nothing to fear. Ne Yo. Yo, babe, let's go on the rise. Let me consult for a fee every time you see the logo. It's on the billboard. Notice me now. Look at you. How you say I'm doing wrong? Smoothly making, moving songs, doing what I gotta do. Oh, oh, yo. Just cause I wouldn't work with you, you might have a little attitude. Could care less if you think I'm rude. Haters can't walk up in my shoes. You salty dog, stop dropping clues. I've been a man. How you let someone else's story mess up your plan? Smoothly been the man. Who is him? On them, grabbing automated business plans. Off the top, being ready, dropping files. Split tack L. You advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. If you need advice from me, then it's time to pay the fee. It's time to pay the fee. Time to. Time to pay the fee. Time to pay the fee. Uh. Time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. Yeah. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, hey. Time to pay the fee. Hey, time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. It's just time to pay the fee. Time to time to pay the fee. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 12. The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said, There are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sieve, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. One, when fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, respond at once with an attack from without. Two, 
If there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. 3. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practicable. If not, stay where you are. 4. If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 5. When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Part 1, Chapter 5 of the Kama Sutra this LibriVox recording is in the public domain, and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana By Vatsyayana Part 1, Chapter 5 About the kinds of women resorted to by the citizens, and of friends and messengers. When Kama is practiced by men of the four castes, according to the rules of the Holy Writ, that is, by lawful marriage, with virgins of their own caste, it then becomes a mean of acquiring lawful progeny and good fame, and it is not also opposed to the customs of the world. On the contrary, the practice of Kama with women of the higher castes, and with those previously enjoyed by others, even though they be of the same caste, is prohibited. But the practice of Kama with women of the lower castes, with women excommunicated from their own caste, with public women, and with women twice married, is neither enjoined nor prohibited. The object of practicing Kama with such women is pleasure only. Footnote. This term does not apply to a widow, but to a woman who had probably left her husband, and is living with some other person as a married woman, maritalement, as they say in France. And a footnote. Naikas, therefore, are of three kinds is, maids, women twice married, and public women. Footnote. Any woman fit to be enjoyed without sin. The object of the enjoyment of women is twofold, that is, pleasure and progeny. Any woman who can be enjoyed without sin, for the purposes of accomplishing either the one or the other of these two objects, is a naika. The fourth kind of naika, which Vetsya admits further on, is neither enjoyed for pleasure or for progeny, but merely for accomplishing some special purpose in hand. The word naika is retained as a technical term throughout. And a footnote. Gona Kaputra has expressed an opinion that there is a fourth kind of naika, that is, a woman who is resorted to on some special occasion, even though she be previously married to another. These special occasions are when a man thinks thus. A. This woman is self-willed, and has been previously enjoyed by many others besides... <laughs>
your demi yummies I'm hitting. Right. Washing up butter rim. Will oh, fix pump oh. additive is on my Tim's. Coconut oil strain with the chef. I'm remove the chance of the stems. Hit the corner mic, bend the rim. Oh man, vehicles oh, is what I can't stand. Rather be dripping or at least a sprinter van. Executing plans and I'm never popping Zans. Might melt down this can to plate white gold via brush plates. Haters don't understand, not in the slightest or faint. Wait, no need to. Even continue find a deal on these with the Linux And I be in it always to win it My account is split it then Vimic cloud processors with few limits Delivery dropped at the door But the robot blow might go Who is it? Torn fabric Still might rip it CPU crypto with the computer pimping Never slipping Pay attention You didn't listen Cause there's nothing I forgot to mention Oh, okay, okay To the M2 money supply Check the M2 money supply. 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 What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. Gotta stay up in cash. Forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. I got the Forex tripping, gotta stay up in cash. The car reported in the peak assistance point is on my screen. Why he making stuff up? I don't know. Maybe it's Maybelline. I wouldn't trade my team, but I dismantle yours. Smoothly, so fly, dog. I'm a sore vertical farm grass from the counties. That's poor. Oh, I gotta get more. Need a beast in them door to door. Shoot 100 times, cause I'm down to score. So I stay up in the game. So I'm just gonna shoot some more. I cannot go away, even though it's not a really smart time to trade. Once I get the credit line going, then the previous feeling that I mentioned must be waived. And you don't even really know how to participate. You just be out on the sidelines and acting lame. I stack in game, break the flow, keeping black and green on the PL. Spend up three hours before the bill. Time and payments for the paydecks, never been up in a cell. I'm sipping on Propel that I design all myself. I see the stuff that I made and it's growing on the play market shelf. I'm for the wealth. What's the standard deviation from the cop report? What's the standard deviation from the cop report? Get the standard deviation from the cop report. 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 Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation. What? Get the standard deviation. Get the standard deviation.
This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 7 Maneuvering. Sun Tzu said, In war, the general receives his commands from the sovereign. Having collected an army and concentrated his forces, he must blend and harmonize the different elements thereof before pitching his camp. After that comes tactical maneuvering, than which there is nothing more difficult. The difficulty of tactical maneuvering consists in turning the devious into the direct, and misfortune into gain. Thus, to take a long and circuitous route, after enticing the enemy out of the way, and those starting after him, to contrive to reach the goal before him, shows knowledge of the artifice of deviation. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous, with an undisciplined multitude most dangerous. If you set a fully equipped army in march in order to snatch an advantage, the chances are that you will be too late. On the other hand, to detach a flying column for the purpose involves the sacrifice of its baggage and stores. Thus, if you order your men to roll up their buff coats and make forced marches without halting day or night, covering double the usual distance at a stretch, doing a hundred li in order to rest an advantage, the leaders of all your three divisions will fall into the hands of the enemy. The stronger men will be in front, the jaded ones will fall behind, and on this plan only one-tenth of your army will reach its destination. If you march fifty li in order to outmaneuver the enemy, you will lose the leader of your first division, and only half your force will reach the goal. If you march thirty li with the same object, two-thirds of your army will arrive. We may take it then that an army without its baggage train is lost. Without provisions, it is lost. Without bases of supply, it is lost. We cannot enter into alliances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantage to account unless we may... Chapter 17 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. More about thought Give place here to some further consideration of thought. You will never become great until your own thoughts make you great, and therefore it is of the first importance that you should think. You will never do great things in the external world until you think great things in the internal world. And you will never think great things until you think about truth, about the verities. To think great things, you must be absolutely sincere. And to be sincere, you must know that your intentions are right. Insincere or false thinking is never great, however logical and brilliant it may be. The first and most important step to seek the truth about human relations, to know what you ought to be to other men, and what they ought to be to you. This brings you back to the search of a right viewpoint. You should study organic and social evolution. Read Darwin and Walter Thomas Mills, and when you read, think. Think the whole matter over until you see the world of things and men in the right way. Think about what God is doing until you see what He is doing. Your next step 
is to think yourself into the right personal attitude. Your viewpoint tells you what the right attitude is, and obedience to the soul puts you into it. It is only by making a complete consecration of yourself to the highest it is within you that you can attain to sincere thinking. So long as you know you are selfish in your aims, or dishonest or crooked in any way in your intentions or practices, your thinking will be false, and your thoughts will have no power. Think about the way you are doing things, about all your intentions, purposes and practices, until you know that they are right. The fact of his own complete unity with God is one that no person can grasp without deep and sustained thinking. Anyone can accept the proposition in a superficial way, but to feel and realize a vital comprehension of it is another matter. It is easy to think of going outside of yourself to meet God, but it is not easy to think of going inside yourself to meet God. But God is there, and in the Holy of Holies of your own soul, you may meet Him face to face. It is a tremendous thing, this fact that all you need is already within you, that you do not have to consider how to get the power to do what you want to do, or to make... Chapter 4 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mind of God There is a cosmic intelligence that is in all things and through all things. This is the one real substance. From it all things proceed. It is intelligent substance or mind stuff. It is God. Where there is no substance there can be no intelligence. For where there is no substance there is nothing. Where there is thought, there must be a substance which thinks. Thought cannot be a function, for function is motion, and it is unconceivable that mere motion should think. Thought cannot be vibration, for vibration is motion, and that motion should be intelligent is not thinkable. Motion is nothing but the moving of substance. If there be intelligence shown, it must be in the substance and not in the motion. Thought cannot be the result of motions in the brain. If thought is in the brain, it must be in the brain's substance, and not in the motions which brain substance makes. But thought is not in the brain substance, for brain substance, without life, is quite unintelligent and dead. Thought is in the life principle that animates the brain, in the spirit substance, which is the real man. The brain does not think. The man thinks, and expresses his thought through the brain. There is a spirit substance that thinks. Just as the spirit substance of man permeates his body, and thinks and knows in the body, so the original spirit substance, God, permeates all nature and thinks and knows in nature. Nature is as intelligent as man, and knows more than man. Nature knows all things. The all-mind has been in touch with all things from the beginning and it contains all knowledge. Man's experience covers a few things, and these things man knows. But God's experience covers all the things that have happened since the creation, from the wreck of a planet or the passing of a comet to the fall of a sparrow. All that is and all that has been are present in the intelligence that is wrapped about us and enfolds us and presses upon us from every side. All the encyclopedias man have written are but trivial affairs compared to the vast knowledge held by the mind in which men live, move, and have their being. The truth men perceive by inspiration are thoughts held in this mind. If they Chapter 5 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles 
This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read His thoughts. And if you do not, you will find the inspiration of perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive the truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business and financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature. No matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be, there is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who is to do so may rise from the want, have only means, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw your mental upholding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your mind. Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking, if you will only obey the simple laws of life and live aright. Conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil too as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite, and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure, and in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed, have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by Marcus Aurelius Antoninus Translated by George Long This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Section 10 Wilt thou then, my soul, never be good and simple and one and naked, more manifest than the body which surrounds thee? Wilt thou never enjoy an affectionate and contented disposition? Wilt thou never be full and without a want of any kind, longing for nothing more nor desiring anything, either animate or inanimate, for the enjoyment of pleasures, nor yet desiring time wherein thou shalt have longer enjoyment or place or pleasant climate or society of men with whom thou mayest live in harmony? But wilt thou be satisfied with thy present condition and pleased with all that is about thee? And wilt thou convince thyself that thou hast everything and that it comes from the gods, that everything is well for thee and will be well whatever shall please them, and whatever they shall give for the conservation of perfect living being, the good and just and beautiful, which generates and holds together all things, and contains and embraces all things which are dissolved for the production of other like things? 
Wilt thou never be such that thou shalt so dwell in community with gods and men as neither to find fault with them at all, nor to be condemned by them? 2. Observe what thy nature requires. So far as thou art governed by nature only, then do it and accept it. If thy nature, so far as thou art a living being, shall not be made worse by it. And next thou must observe what thy nature requires so far as thou art a living being. And all this thou mayest allow thyself, if thy nature, so far as thou art a rational animal, shall not be made worse by it. But the rational animal is consequently also a political animal. Use these rules then, and trouble thyself about nothing else. 3. Everything which happens, either happens in such wise as thou art formed by nature to bear it, or as thou art not formed by nature to bear it. If then it happens to thee in such a way as thou art formed by nature to bear it, do not complain, but bear it as thou art formed by nature to bear it. But if it happens... The Boo Journal. I got 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 the food journal, I got the food journal, baby got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby got the food journal, I got the food journal, baby got the food journal, I got the food journal. I'm just trying to explain how I feel when we on a mission for the real, swimming through the money like the cat. Let's stay fresh, working on skills, mind on let's get it and let's go back. Heart is never on my sleeve, I'm a cold steel, spitting exquisite, even doubt is gonna feel. So pay attention, they be slipping like they stepped on banana peel. And you know the drill, I'm from Ben Hill Yeah, the street right by the park Come a long way when I stay by Clark You think you gonna start, but I did make you finish Look at my flow, bro, can't you tell that we win? I'm still feeling like I should do more granted And I'm on the age where it's time for me to make a pension Oh my goodness, with so much precision, I just be going Ben Hill And you know my eyes white like a snow And I'm chain plated golden, that's just how I do it More free, yo, and SBO, that be frozen always cold Steady repping for the phone how did this gas all up on the stove? Hit a hater in the nose. I suppose I'ma grow, I'ma glow like this smoothly. Might spray nice kicks. I be freestyling, sip, trunk and read down the sweetly. Yo, cost double low, 176. Smoothly going in, make it know. Try me, 52 crossbone, leave you with that suicide. Mr. Sue Fly, FF, Impact, Tag I. Doing KML sprints on the fly, scrum swagging, pipping computers. A dub S smoothly, barely ever any stress with the purr. Smoothly, tell me what it's worth. I'm a jerk. Coming Around on the beat, go berserk, freestyling all the time. Every time when I go, okay. it's been here from okay. the FO. Okay. You are sitting in a new car. I'm in another level, far from where you are. That's how I gotta do it smoothly. So, blood, press and fluid, back it, poppy here. Through Rick. the music, oh my goodness, just like Nugget, I'ma do it. 16 bit record, 11:25 p.m. Ice blowing, play the chain that I made. Self do DIY, dog, oh my goodness, see him shine. Yeah, make it blind, make it, make it rip your eyes. He's the guy from the SWATs. I got food on. I got a food journal. Okay. I got a food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. And you know that. I got the food journal. I got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. I got the food journal, baby. Got the food journal. Oh, oh, oh.
on the first decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the first decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 7 Of the quantity of land assigned by the Romans to each colonist It would, I think, be difficult to fix with certainty how much land the Romans allotted to each colonist, for my belief is that they gave more or less according to the character of the country to which they sent them. We may, however, be sure that in every instance, and to whatever country they were sent, the quantity of land assigned was not very large. First, because these colonists being sent to guard the newly acquired country, by giving little land, it became possible to send more men. And second, because, as the Romans lived frugally at home, it is unreasonable to suppose that they should wish their countrymen to be too well off abroad. And Titus Livius tells us that on the capture of Bay, the Romans sent thither a colony allotting to each colonist three jugera and seven unciae of land, which, according to our measurement, would be something under two acres. Besides the above reasons, the Romans may likely enough have thought that it was not so much the quantity of the land allotted as its careful cultivation that would make it suffice. It is very necessary, however, that every colony should have common pasturage where all may send their cattle to graze, as well as woods where they may cut fuel, for without such conveniences, no colony can maintain itself. End of chapter 7 Chapter 5 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read his thoughts. And if you do not, you will find the inspiration of perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive the truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business and financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature. No matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be, there is not the least cause for worry about financial 
Chapter 1 of The Art of Money Getting This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum Chapter 1 Don't Mistake Your Vocation The safest plan and the one most sure of success for the young man starting in life is to select the vocation which is most congenial to his tastes. Parents and guardians are often quite too negligent in regard to this. It's very common for a father to say, for example, I have five boys. I will make Billy a clergyman, John a lawyer, Tom a doctor, and Dick a farmer. He then goes into town and looks about to see what he will do with Sammy. He returns home and says, Sammy, I see watchmaking is a nice genteel business. I think I will make you a goldsmith. He does this, regardless of Sam's natural inclinations or genius. We are all, no doubt, born for a wise purpose. There is as much diversity in our brains as in our countenances. Some are born natural mechanics, while some have great aversion to machinery. Let a dozen boys of ten years get together, and you will soon observe two or three are whittling out some ingenious device, working with locks or complicated machinery. When they were but five years old, their father could find no toy to please them like a puzzle. They are natural mechanics, but the other eight or nine boys have different aptitudes. I belong to the latter class. I never had the slightest love for mechanism. On the contrary, I have a sort of abhorrence for complicated machinery. I never had ingenuity enough to whittle a cider tap so it would not leak. I never could make a pen that I could write with or understand the principle of a steam engine. If a man was to take such a boy as I was and attempt to make a watchmaker of him, the boy might, after an apprenticeship of five or seven years, be able to take apart and put together a watch. But all through life he would be working uphill and seizing every excuse. Chapter 5 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preparation 
draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. If you become like God, you can read his thoughts. And if you do not, you will find the inspirational perception of truth impossible. You can never become a great man or woman until you have overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. It is impossible for an anxious man, a worried one, or a fearful one to perceive truth. All things are distorted and thrown out of their proper relations by such mental states, and those who are in them cannot read the thoughts of God. If you are poor, or if you are anxious about business or financial matters, you are recommended to study carefully the first volume of this series, The Science of Getting Rich. That will present to you a solution for your problems of this nature, no matter how large or how complicated they may seem to be. There is not the least cause for worry about financial affairs. Every person who wills to do so may rise above want, have all he needs, and become rich. The same source upon which you propose to draw for mental unfolding and spiritual power is at your service for the supply of all your material wants. Study this truth until it is fixed in your thoughts and until anxiety is banished from your mind. Enter the certain way which leads to material riches. Again, if you are anxious or worried about your health, realize it is possible for you to attain perfect health so that you may have strength sufficient for all that you wish to do and more. That intelligence that stands ready to give you wealth and mental and spiritual power will rejoice to give you health also. Perfect health is yours for the asking, if you will only obey the simple laws of life and live aright. Conquer ill health and cast out fear. But it is not enough to rise above financial and physical anxiety and worry. You must rise above moral evil-doing as well. Sound your inner consciousness now for the motives that actuate you and make sure they are right. You must cast out lust and cease to be ruled by appetite, and you must begin to govern appetite. You must eat only to satisfy hunger, never for gluttonous pleasure. And in all things you must make the flesh obey the spirit. You must lay aside greed. Have no unworthy motive in your desire to become rich. Introduction and Part 1, Chapter 1 of The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana by Vatsyayana This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra of Vatsyayana Translated from the Sanskrit in seven parts with preface, introduction, and concluding remarks. By Vatsyayana Translated by Richard Burton, Bhagavanlao Indrajit, and Shivaram Parashuram Bide. Note to the listener as I am a native English speaker, I am going to attempt to pronounce the Indian names sprinkled throughout this text in a manner consistent with the normal English pronunciations of such combinations of letters. To people who actually know how such Indian names ought to be pronounced, I am sure I am going to wound their sensibilities, and so I offer my apologies in advance. Introduction it may be interesting to some persons to learn how it came about that Vatsyayana was first brought to light and translated into the English language. It happened thus. While translating with the pundits the Anunga Runga, or the stage of love, 
reference was frequently found to be made to one Vatsya. The sage Vatsya was of this opinion or of that opinion. The sage Vatsya said this, and so on. Naturally, questions were asked who the sage was, and the pundits replied that Vatsya was the author of the standard work on love in Sanskrit literature, that no Sanskrit library was complete without his work, and that it was most difficult now to obtain in its entire state. The copy of the manuscript obtained in Bombay was defective, and so the pundits wrote to Benares, Calcutta, and Jaipur for copies of the manuscript from Sanskrit libraries in those places. Copies having been obtained, they were then compared with each other, and with the aid of a commentary called Jaya Mangla, a revised copy of the entire manuscript was prepared, and from this copy the English translation was made. The following is the certificate of the chief pundit. The accompanying manuscript is corrected by me after comparing four different copies of the work. I Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Three cap bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Yo, go so low so I get that fast, but still gotta build my team so that I can stay. Gotta wake up and I do it every day. Make a to-do list, print out with the cron. Whipping up great Poupon 6, I was after dawn. 20k unit, 4 bricks, trade on. Keeping more green than the lawn. I can rent a drop top anytime I want at leisure. Turn a raspberry pie into a movie theater. You don't like me, I don't like it either. Either striking markers when they lukewarm or keep it hot. Kinda like it's a new heater. Making tixtures into liters. Mixing up new tropics and some beakers. Where's the sounds coming from your speakers? Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three cap bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 3 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Rent of Land. Digression concerning the variations in the value of silver during the course of the four last centuries. First period. In 1350, and for some time before, the average price of the quarter of wheat in England seems not to have been estimated lower than four ounces of silver, tower weight, equal to about twenty shillings of our present money. From this price it seems to have fallen gradually to two ounces of silver, equal to about ten shillings of our present money, the price at which we find it estimated in the beginning of the sixteenth century, and at which it seems to have continued to be estimated till about 1570. In 1350, being the twenty-fifth of Edward III, was enacted what is called the Statute of Laborers. 
In the preamble, it complains much of the insolence of servants who endeavor to raise their wages upon their masters. It therefore ordains that all servants and laborers should, for the future, be contented with the same wages and liveries. Liveries in those times signified not only clothes, but provisions, which they had been accustomed to receive in the twentieth year of the king and the four preceding years. That, upon this account, their livery wheat should nowhere be estimated higher than ten pence a bushel, and that it should always be in the option of the master to deliver them either the wheat or the money. Ten pence a bushel, therefore, had, in the twenty-fifth of Edward the Third, been reckoned to a very moderate price of wheat, since it required a particular statute to oblige servants to accept of it in exchange for their usual livery of provisions and it had been reckoned a reasonable price ten years before that, or in the sixteenth year of the king, the term to which the statute refers. But in the sixteenth year of Edward III, tenpence contained about half an ounce of silver, tower weight, and was nearly equal to half a crown of our present money. Four ounces of silver, tower weight, therefore, equal to six shillings and eightpence of the money of those times, and to near twenty shillings of that of the present, must have been reckoned a moderate price for the quarter of eight bushels. This statute is surely a better evidence of what was reckoned in those times a moderate price of grain. Chapter 3 of The Art of Money Getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum Chapter 3 Avoid Debt Young men starting in life should avoid running into debt. There is scarcely anything that drags a person down like debt. It is a slavish position to get in, yet we find many a young man, hardly out of his teens, running in debt. He meets a chum and says, Look at this! I have got trusted for a new suit of clothes. He seems to look upon the clothes as so much given to him. Well, it frequently is so, but if he succeeds in pain and then gets trusted again, he is adopting a habit which will keep him in poverty through life. Debt robs a man of his self-respect and makes him almost despise himself, grunting and groaning and working for what he has eaten up or worn out and now when he is called upon to pay up, he has nothing to show for his money. This is properly termed working for a dead horse. I do not speak of merchants buying and selling on credit or of those who buy on credit in order to turn the purchase to a profit. The old Quaker said to his farmer's son, John, never get trusted, but if thee gets trusted for anything, let it be for manure, because that will help thee pay it back again. Mr. Beecher advised young men to get in debt if they could to a small amount in the purchase of land in the country districts. If a young man, he says, will only get in debt for some land and then get married, these two things will keep him straight, or nothing will. This may be safe to a limited extent, but getting in debt for what you eat and drink and wear is to be avoided. Some families have a foolish habit of getting credit at the stores and thus frequently purchase many things which might have been dispensed with. It is all very well to say, 
I have got trusted for sixty days, and if I don't have the money, the creditor will think nothing about it. That, that bitch up, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh. 3K personal credit line doing for Rex investing in the REITs over time. Gotta get it in, all about the dividends. What these perpetrators gonna do? You know they pretend. As I let the filter knowledge seep in, I'm up doing food journal entries overnight through the weekend. Realize that the business comes with the crown. Forget all so of the villages, focus on controlling multiple crowds. So I make connections, avoiding frauds, so we blessing. I advise you to do the same. If Earth. only for your protection, pull up, pull up. Buying land and revocable trust. On a making money mission, taking massive action. Tropic tincture reducing all of distractions. Spinning and operator system up exquisite fashion. Making compound transactions, could care less if a naysayer reaction. Chilling, relaxing, scrum, sprint, swag on boot, one, two, keyboard, fashion. Never lacking SSH back in via Docker containers on my CLI. Doing hard pipe through the XR, smoothly designing, play the jewelry through a contact lens, put less on the end. Cause the women through the space bar, cold a Q1 liners on the okay. FC increase my trade line, now I ride Lemurs whenever, I'm just serving drives Then the personal okay. assistant, CPU pimping, get computers to bring me what I need, how I do it, dog I read 24-7, 360 degrees Recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. Chapter 2 Select the Right Location. After securing the right vocation, you must be careful to select the proper location. You may have been cut out for a hotel keeper, and they say it requires a genius to know how to keep a hotel. You might conduct a hotel like clockwork and provide satisfactorily for 500 guests every day. Yet, if you should locate your house in a small village where there is no railroad communication or public travel, the location would be your ruin. It is equally important that you do not commence business where there are already enough to meet all demands in the same occupation. I remember a case which illustrates this subject. When I was in London in 1858, I was passing down Holborn with an English friend and came to the Penny Shows. They had immense cartoons outside portraying the wonderful curiosities to be seen, all for a penny. Being a little in the show line myself, I said, let us go in here. We soon found ourselves in the presence of the illustrious showman, and he 
and he proved to be the sharpest man in that line I had ever met. He told us some extraordinary stories in reference to his bearded ladies, his albinos, and his armadillos, which we could hardly believe, but thought it better to believe it than look after the proof. He finally begged to call our attention to some wax statuary and showed us a lot of the dirtiest and filthiest wax figures imaginable. They looked as if they had not seen water since the deluge. What is there so wonderful about your statuary? I asked. I beg you not to speak so satirically, he replied. Sir, these are not Madame Tussaud's wax figures, all covered with glit and tinsel in imitation diamonds and copied from engravings and photographs. Mine, sir. Ninjas on my CLI Automated text reply We don't stop them other guys Market share increasing Gotta get it up to 25 Increasing my engagement rate on 25 Like 20 times Who is he smoothly Always gonna shine Bash ninjas in the zone Off the throne Breaking microphones On the grind All the time Running through the vintage Edit lines Electroplated solution From finnies and the dimes As a matter of fact New dropping shocker Extract W space Tac tac L after cat That's how you count the lines Right the rhymes, grab the rhymes, grab the, grab the rhymes. I'ma grab the, grab the rhymes. I'ma grab the, grab the rhymes. Yo. Ice white, leaving haters blind. Fresh with t-shirt designs, over wine. Two of times when we had to make a hater resign. Setting stones, color line, but pen test take way more time. Cut, duct the tape, but I align. Oh no, bro, no dough, so you're gonna get declined. Run it up like RZA and Divine. Stay up in your place, before you get a sign. Going, blowing, blowing off a whim. Bash ninja wax transfer all on my tips. Checking haters when we chins. I be whipping. Right out of Berlin, okay. your track with the best. Like, once again, pen uh, computers, pen uh, pens, zero uh, sum game. Uh, How can uh, you win? Keeping leashes in the dog pen. My bash code always done the speed. Okay. You hit me good, cause you do not know where to begin. It can be on your pins, gotta be a pen. It blow from a DSLR lens. You can mean mugs, move gonna grin. We've been icy, oh so froze. Yeah, they chose since way back then. But still, it's my bins. But I guess it depends. Hold up. Gotta let that seat bend. Hold the sun, trading for risk itself on the weekends. Do not approach the night. Weekend, every rhyme that I finish, they be like, Can you do it one more game? One more game, yeah. Rap like glue on the car side. One double boulevard in the walk, yeah. Oh, find a bend here and the grind don't stop. No. Came from John Thomas selling no stocks. Running through cold lines like I'm Dr. Spot. Just all the automatic movement for the time clock. Women via phones. No silicone, reheating all the polymer plots. First batch of clay got botched. Just made a tincture to capture a aroma of the apricot. 52 crossbone, how I box. Leaving haters, Molly Wild Grind is in this. Bought the platter, gotta whip up the props. Had to bleed, that's where it be. Pull up and I set up shop. Rather handle it on my own. I don't ever gotta ever talk to cops. Make your stomach drop. Mad at me cause your company block. Came a long way from a block. But you must be stupid or just confused If you ever think I must cease or stop So Still my need four o'clock Pick a clip, hair clip They wouldn't let us in So we had to pick a lot Ha, ha Humming, stunning, running, virtual wood, commas, haters, don't want no problems. Uh, 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 Alibaba shopping, but we run the plug. Yeah. You can't kill my buzz. Do 
doing what it does. Domestic product is the secret Warren Buffett uses over 100. I'ma count it useless, cuz everybody is running to it under 50%. What I be focusing on, better act soon for the investment is gone. Hope the indicator that I pick strong, cuz I'm buying a call at the ring of the gong. Watch the price just leap like a fraud. Disregard negative statements and remove good for nothing. Dog mitigated risk and all other laws by limits, and I do it by reducing costs. Domestic product is the secret form. Buffett uses over 100. I'm accounting uses because everybody is running to it. Under 50% would I be voting? Often as he thought proper. Every man's interest would prompt him to seek the admin. 
accounts arises partly from certain circumstances in the employments themselves, which, either really, or at least in the imagination of men, make up for a small pecuniary gain in some, and counterbalance a great one in others, and partly from the policy of Europe, which nowhere leaves things at perfect liberty. The particular consideration of those circumstances and of that policy will divide this chapter into two parts. Part 1. Inequalities arising from the nature of the employments themselves. The five following are the principal circumstances which, so far as I have been able to observe, make up for a small pecuniary gain in some employments and counterbalance a great one in others. First, the agreeableness or disagreeableness of the employments themselves. Secondly, the easiness and cheapness or the difficulty and expense of learning them. Thirdly, the constancy or inconstancy of employment in them. Fourthly, the small or great trust which must be reposed in those who exercise them. And fifthly, the probability or improbability of success in them. First, the wages of labor vary with the ease or hardship, the cleanliness or dirtiness, the honorableness or dishonorableness of the employment. Uh. Uh. What? What? Yeah. Okay. Multiple buckets of money, make yeah. a decision for uh. being real about uh. this business. Okay. Disregard okay. what you think uh. looks cool. Dumb is always trying to do. Pull up when I make Ooh. your room and jump. Yeah. Cut copper wire from a penny spool. Uh. Calculated everything already. Going so in. go ahead and make it move. You know me, man. I've been in the groove. Make your move, do whatever you behoove. Uh. Scrum master uh. swagger, number uh. seat. Uh. Use uh. only Linux, what okay. I use. That windows always ain't think goofy. Yeah. Terminal only ain't no gooey. What? Pull up, pull up, pull up. They like who's he? Got a team of okay. lawyers defending fair use and pursue me. Talking about broke subject nine going times there, out of ten, in, you gon' lose me. In that mode, they was greeted in some toes. But next and play some foes. Only using Linux ain't no gooey. 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 Only using Linux. Only using Linux. I'm 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 only using I'm 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 only using Linux. What? Chapter Twenty One of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A mental exercise. The purpose of mental exercises must not be misunderstood. There is no virtue in charms or formulated strings of words. There is no shortcut to development by repeating prayers or incantations. A mental exercise is an exercise not in repeating words, but in the thinking of certain thoughts. The phrases that we repeatedly hear become convictions, as Goethe says, and the thoughts that we repeatedly think become habitual and make us what we are. The purpose in taking a mental exercise is that you may think certain thoughts repeatedly until you form a habit of thinking them. Then they will be your thoughts all the time. Taken in the right way and with an understanding of their purpose, mental exercises are of great value, but taken as most people take them, they are worse than useless. 
the thoughts embodied in the following exercise are the ones you want to think. You should take the exercise once or twice daily, but you should think the thoughts continuously. That is, do not think them twice a day for a stated time, and then forget them until it is time to take the exercise again. The exercise is to impress you with the material for continuous thought. Take a time when you can have from 20 minutes to half an hour secure from interruption, and proceed first to make yourself physically comfortable. Lie at ease in a Morris chair, or on a couch, or in bed. It is best to lie flat on your back. If you have no other time, take the exercise on going to bed at night and before rising in the morning. First let your attention travel over your body from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, relaxing every muscle as you go. Relax completely. And next, get physical and other ills off your mind. Let the attention pass down the spinal cord and out over the nerves to the extremities. And as you do so, think, my nerves are in perfect order all over my body. They obey my will, and I have great nerve force. Next bring your attention to the lungs and think. I am breathing deeply and quietly, and the air goes into every cell of my lungs, which are in perfect condition. My blood is purified and made clean. Next to the heart. My heart is beating strongly and steadily, and my circulation is perfect, even to the extremities. Next to the digestive system. Make a sucker stutter and stammer. Mr. Python programmer. I uh. keep it in the trunk. M S A C N D A for the pen test to find fuck scones. Will I ever fold? Nope. Yeah. Diminishing haters hopes Smoothly who's he cleaner than so Keeping balance like tight ropes Ooh, bunch of one Linux so I ain't broke I ain't gotta sell dope Just command line bash codes Going off, you know you so soft More plays than Ready Moss from Game Day 99 Going hard like all the time Close my eyes, all I see is G edit lines On the grind all the time Bros buried for the alpha pie Need on the scene as I'm cooking green Buses broke like they ain't hey, My cell phone hey, rings. Another code to SSH yeah, to the yeah, team. Yeah, Check the UTC yeah. as I administer work overseas. Can we scam? What's the plan? Okay. Um, in your system like blam. Fix the logs, can we scram? Oh man, I'm going ham, kinda like cold cuts on potato buns. Swing it and you miss, dog. Take that plunge, if you lunch, wreck it flows. Just for fun, ice bright like the sun. Let's shoot the fade, we can go to the one. I'm solo son, I'm the one that can handle the fist, the cut square 52 jab, and a hater ain't quick enough. Introduction to the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. 
For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shane Greener. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by Marcus Aurelius Antoninus. Translated by George Long. Introduction. Marcus Arnius Verus was born in Rome in AD 121 and assumed the name of Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, by which he is known to history on his adoption by the Emperor T. Aurelius Antoninus. He succeeded to the imperial throne in 161 and ruled till his death in 180. His reign, though marked by justice and moderation at home, was troubled by constant warfare on the frontiers of the empire, and Aurelius spent much of his later years in the uncongenial task of commanding armies that no longer proved irresistible against the barbarian hordes. M. Aurelius was educated by the orator Fronto, but turned aside from rhetoric to study of the Stoic philosophy, of which he was the last distinguished representative. The meditations, which he wrote in Greek, are among the most noteworthy expressions of this system and exhibit it favourably on its practical side. His own precepts he carried out with singular consistency, and both in his public and his private life he was in the highest degree conscientious. He and his predecessor are noted as the only Roman emperors who can be said to have ruled with a single eye to the welfare of their subjects. During his reign, Rome was visited by a severe pestilence, and this, with reverses suffered by his armies, threw the populace into a panic and led them to demand the sacrifice of the Christians, whom they regarded as having brought down the anger of the gods. Aurelius seems to have shared the panic, and his record is stained by his sanction of the cruel persecution. This incident in the career of the last and one of the loftiest of the pagan moralists may be regarded as symbolic of the dying effort of heathenism to check the advancing tide of Christianity. The meditations picture with faithfulness the mind and character of this noblest of the emperors. Simple in style and sincere in tone, they record for all time the height reached by pagan aspirations in its effort to solve the problem of conduct and the essential agreement of his practice with his teachings proved that, even in a palace, life may be led well. End of introduction. Recording by Shane Greenup. Shane Greenup. Blogs. Places go up in my head at one time. Is that crazy? Total market share. Over gross domestic product is the secret Warren Buffett uses over 100. I'ma count it useless cuz Everybody is running to it Under 50% what I be focusing on Better act soon for the investment is gone Hope the indicator that I pick strong Cause I'm buying the car at the ring of the gong Watch the price just leap like a frog Disregard negative statements and remove good for nothing dog Mitigated risk and all of the laws By limits and I do it by reducing costs All my goodness gonna fall They hate me down what I do Mad cause I fly just like a flu Hot like a stove is, flaws and fraud, flexing, making, thinking, they never show it, long, long, like no other day, change up, light leaves change, colors, speed, little smother, wow, they wonder, how could they have never met another, oops, did I stutter, slicker than butter, sharper than box, cutters, rose up from the gutter, this on my mother, never knew my brother, spreadsheets, and I'm steady out here doing numbers, buying parts and flipping with all the lumber, tax, clean, Total market share, over gross domestic product is the secret Warren Buffett uses over 100 I'ma count it useless cause everybody is running to it Under 50% what I be for
This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 7 Maneuvering. Sun Tzu said, In war, the general receives his commands from the sovereign. Having collected an army and concentrated his forces, he must blend and harmonize the different elements thereof before pitching his camp. After that comes tactical maneuvering, than which there is nothing more difficult. The difficulty of tactical maneuvering consists in turning the devious into the direct, and misfortune into gain. Thus, to take a long and circuitous route, after enticing the enemy out of the way, and those starting after him, to contrive to reach the goal before him, shows knowledge of the artifice of deviation. Maneuvering with an army is advantageous, with an undisciplined multitude most dangerous. If you set a fully equipped army in march in order to snatch an advantage, the chances are that you will be too late. On the other hand, to detach a flying column for the purpose involves the sacrifice of its baggage and stores. Thus, if you order your men to roll up their buff coats and make forced marches without halting day or night, covering double the usual distance at a stretch, doing a hundred li in order to rest an advantage, the leaders of all your three divisions will fall into the hands of the enemy. The stronger men will be in front, the jaded ones will fall behind, and on this plan only one-tenth of your army will reach its destination. If you march fifty li in order to outmaneuver the enemy, you will lose the leader of your first division, and only half your force will reach the goal. If you march thirty li with the same object, two-thirds of your army will arrive. We may take it then that an army without its baggage train is lost. Without provisions, it is lost. Without bases of supply, it is lost. We cannot enter into alliances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. We are not fit to lead an army on the march unless we are familiar with the face of the country, its mountains and forests, its pitfalls and precipices, its marshes and swamps. We shall be unable to turn natural advantage to account unless we may... Chapter 19 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, Niccolo Machiavelli. Translation by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 19 that acquisitions made by ill-governed states and such as follow not the valiant methods of the romans tend rather to their ruin than to their aggrandizement 
To these false opinions, founded on the pernicious example first set by the present corrupt age, we owe it that no man thinks of departing from the methods which are in use. It had been impossible, for instance, some thirty years ago, to persuade an Italian that ten thousand foot soldiers could, on plain ground, attack ten thousand cavalry together with an equal number of infantry, and not merely attack but defeat them as we saw done by the Swiss at that battle of Novara, to which I have already referred so often. For although history abounds in similar examples, none would have believed them, or, believing them, would have said that nowadays men are so much better armed that a squadron of cavalry could shatter a rock to say nothing of a column of infantry. With such false pleas would they have belied their judgment, taking no account that with a very scant force of foot soldiers, Lucullus routed a hundred and fifty thousand of the cavalry of Tigranes, among whom were a body of horsemen very nearly resembling our own men-at-arms. Now, however, this error is demonstrated by the example of the northern nations. And since what history teaches us as to the superiority of foot soldiers is thus proved to be true, men ought likewise to believe that the other methods practiced by the ancients are in like manner salutary and useful, and were this once accepted, both princes and commonwealths would make fewer blunders than they do, would be stronger to resist sudden attack, and would no longer place their sole hope of safety in flight, while those who take Chapter One of the Art of Money Getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum. Chapter One. Don't mistake your vocation. The safest plan, and the one most sure of success for the young man starting in life, is to select the vocation which is most congenial to his tastes. Parents and guardians are often quite too negligent in regard to this. It's very common for a father to say, for example, I have five boys. I will make Billy a clergyman, John a lawyer, Tom a doctor, and Dick a farmer. He then goes into town and looks about to see what he will do with Sammy. He returns home and says, Sammy, I see watchmaking is a nice genteel business. I think I will make you a goldsmith. He does this, regardless of Sam's natural inclinations or genius. We are all, no doubt, born for a wise purpose. There is as much diversity in our brains as in our countenances. Some are born natural mechanics, while some have great aversion to machinery. Let a dozen boys of ten years get together, and you will soon observe two or three are whittling out some ingenious device, working with locks or complicated machinery. When they were but five years old, their father could find no toy to please them like a puzzle. They are natural mechanics, but the other eight or nine boys have different aptitudes. I belong to the latter class. I never had the slightest love for mechanism. On the contrary, I have a sort of abhorrence for complicated machinery. 
I never had ingenuity enough to whittle a cider tap so it would not leak. I never could make a pen that I could write with or understand the principle of a steam engine. If a man was to take such a boy as I was and attempt to make a watchmaker of him, the boy might, after an apprenticeship of five or seven years, be able to take a part and put together a watch. But all through life he would be working uphill and seizing every excuse. Book Four of The Art of War by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Henry Neville. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Clive Catteron. Book Four. Luigi said, Since an engagement has been won so honorably under my rule, I think it is well if I do not tempt fortune further, knowing how changeable and unstable it is and therefore I desire to resign my speakership, and that, wanting to follow the order that belongs to the youngest, Zenobi now assume this office of questioning. And I know he will not refuse this honour, or we would rather say this hard work, as much in order to give pleasure as also because he is naturally more courageous than I. Nor should he be afraid to enter into these labours, where he can thus be overcome as he can overcome. Zenobi said, I intend to stay where you put me, even though I would more willingly stay to listen, because up to now I am more satisfied with your questions than those which occurred to me in listening to your discussions pleased me. But I believe it is well, lords, since you have time left, and of patience, we do not annoy you with these ceremonies of ours. Fabrizio said, I'd rather you give me pleasure, because this change of questions makes me know the various geniuses and your various desires. Is there anything remaining of the matter discussed which you think should be added? Zenobi said, There are two things I desire before we pass on to another part. The one is that you would show me if there is another form of organizing the army which may occur to you. The other, what considerations ought a captain have before going to battle? And if some accident should arise concerning it, what remedies can be made? Fabrizio said, I will make an effort to satisfy you. I will not reply to your questions in detail, for when I answer one, often it will also answer another. I have told you that I proposed a form for the army which should fill all the requirements according to the nature of the enemy and the sight, because in this case one proceeds according to the sight and the enemy. But note this, that there is no greater peril than to overextend the front of your army, unless you have a very large and very brave army. Otherwise, you have to make it rather wide and of short length than of long length and very narrow. For when you have a small force compared to the enemy, you ought to seek other remedies. For Chapter 4 of The Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mind of God. There is a cosmic intelligence that is in all things and through all things. This is the one real substance. From it all things proceed. It is intelligent substance, or mind-stuff. It is God. Where there is no substance, there can be no intelligence. For where there is no substance, there is nothing. Where there is thought, there must be a substance which thinks. Thought cannot be a function, for function is motion, and it is unconceivable that mere motion should think. Thought cannot be vibration, for vibration is motion. And that motion should be intelligent is not thinkable. Motion is nothing but the moving of substance. 
If there be intelligence shown, it must be in the substance and not in the motion. Thought cannot be the result of motions in the brain. If thought is in the brain, it must be in the brain's substance and not in the motions which brain substance makes. But thought is not in the brain substance, for brain substance, without life, is quite unintelligent and dead. Thought is in the life principle that animates the brain, in the spirit substance, which is the real man. The brain does not think, the man thinks and expresses his thought through the brain. There is a spirit substance that thinks. Just as the spirit substance of man permeates his body, and thinks and knows in the body, so the original spirit substance, God, permeates all nature and thinks and knows in nature. Nature is as intelligent as man, and knows more than man. Nature knows all things. The all-mind has been in touch with all things from the beginning, and it contains all knowledge. Man's experience covers a few things, and these things man knows. But God's experience covers all the things that have happened since the creation, from the wreck of a planet or the passing of a comet to the fall of a sparrow. All that is and all that has been are present in the intelligence that is wrapped about us and enfolds us and presses upon us from every side. All the encyclopedias man have written are but trivial affairs compared to the vast knowledge held by the mind in which men live, move, and have their being. The truths men perceive by inspiration are thoughts held in this mind. If they Chapter thirteen of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thought Greatness is only attained by the constant thinking of great thoughts. No man can become great in outward personality until he is great internally, and no man can be great internally until he thinks. No amount of education, reading, or study can make you great without thought, but thought can make you great with every little study. There are altogether too many people who are trying to make something of themselves by reading books without thinking. All such will not mentally developed by what you read, but by what you think about what you read. Thinking is the hardest and most exhausting of all labor, and hence many people shrink from it. God has so formed us that we are continuously impelled to thought. We must either think or engage in some activity to escape thought. The headlong, continuous chase for pleasure in which most people spend all their leisure time is only an effort to escape thought. If they are they have nothing amusing to take their attention, as a novel to read or a show to see, they must think. And to escape from thinking, they resort to novels, shows, and all the endless devices of the purveyors of amusement. Most people spend the greater part of their leisure time running away from thought, hence they are what they are. We never move forward until we begin to think. Read less and think more. Read about great things and think about great questions and issues. Thinking along these lines does not call forth quick.
Thinking, not mere knowledge or information, makes personality. Thinking is growth. You cannot think without growing. Every thought in general. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate when I gotta build a credit line. Three cap bucket, make it fast and go trust it. Anybody try to go play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Yo, go so low so I get that fast, but still gotta build my team so that I can stay. Gotta wake up and I do it every day. Make a to-do list, print out with the cron. Whipping up great Poupon 6 hours after dawn. 20k unit for bricks, trade on, keeping more green than the lawn. I can rent a drop top anytime I want at leisure. Turn a raspberry pie into a movie theater. You don't like me, I don't like it either. Either striking markers when they lukewarm or keep it hot, kinda like it's a new heater. Making tixes into liters, mixing up new tropics and some beakers. Where's the sounds coming from your speakers? Man, I hate waiting, Hitting haters with the ether. Man, I hate, man, I hate waiting, waiting but I got it. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Man, I hate waiting, gotta build a credit line. Three kick a bucket, make it fast, and go trust it. Anybody try to go and play, go get busted. Rather converse over real subjects. Used to dream eating margarita wings in front of publics. Oh. Diminishing haters hopes Smoothly who's he cleaner than soap Keeping balance like tight ropes Ooh, bunch of old Linux so I ain't broke I ain't gotta sell dope Just command line bash codes Going off, you know you so soft More plays than Reddit Moss from Game Day 99 Going hard like all the time Close my eyes, all I see is G edit lines On the grind all the time Roseberry for the alpha pie Neen, on the scene as I'm cooking green Busters broke like they ain't slain. My cell phone rings, another code to SSH to the team. Check the UTC as I administer work overseas. Can we scam? What's the plan? I'm in your system like blam. Fix the logs, can we scram? Oh man, I'm going ham, kinda like cold cuts on potato buns. Swing it and you miss, dog. Take that plunge, if you lunge. Wrecking flows, just for fun. Ice bright like the sun, let's shoot the fade. We can go two to one. I'm solo son, I'm the one that can handle the fist to cut square 52 jab. And I hate I ain't quick enough. Keep it in the trunk, whammer. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
insane to run a black list via cross the chain, switching out these whips or tails being wet and a couple years. What's the plan? Can we scan? I don't fish, switch a twist, pen test, and I won't miss. When the DD cut, man, flow, bro, with the digital forensics. Who is this? Just a pro, rubber pepper handle in the business. Active directory is in your registry to find the story. Google Dork, your index with no nonsense. With Entitled colon index of slash recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Part 12. The Attack by Fire. Sun Tzu said, there are five ways of attacking with fire. The first is to burn soldiers in their camp. The second is to burn stores. The third is to burn baggage trains. The fourth is to burn arsenals and magazines. The fifth is to hurl dropping fire amongst the enemy. In order to carry out an attack, we must have means available. The material for raising fire should always be kept in readiness. There is a proper season for making attacks with fire, and special days for starting a conflagration. The proper season is when the weather is very dry. The special days are those when the moon is in the constellations of the sieve, the wall, the wing, or the crossbar, for these four are all days of rising wind. In attacking with fire, one should be prepared to meet five possible developments. One, when fire breaks out inside to enemy's camp, Respond at once with an attack from without. 2. If there is an outbreak of fire, but the enemy's soldiers remain quiet, bide your time and do not attack. 3. When the force of the flames has reached its height, follow it up with an attack, if that is practical. If not, stay where you are. 4. If it is possible to make an assault with fire from without, do not wait for it to break out within, but deliver your attack at a favorable moment. 5. When you start a fire, be to windward of it. Do not attack from the leeward. A wind that rises in the daytime lasts long, but a night breeze soon falls. In every army, the five developments connected with fire must be known, the movements of the stars calculated, and a watch kept for the proper days. Hence, those who use fire as an aid to the attack show intelligence. Those who use water as an aid to the attack 
gain an accession of strength. By means of water, an enemy may be intercepted, but not robbed of all his belongings. Chapter six of the Science of Being Great by Wallace D. Wattles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The social point of view. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, and without faith, it is impossible for you to become great. The distinguishing characteristics of all really great men and women is an unwavering faith. We see this in Lincoln during the dark days of the war. We see it in Washington at Valley Forge. We see it in Livingston, the crippled missionary, threading the mazes of the dark continent, his soul aflame with the determination to let in the light upon the accursed slave trade which his soul abhorred. We see it in Luther and in Francis Willard, in every man and woman who has attained a place on the muster roll of the great ones of the world. Faith, not a faith in oneself or in one's own powers, but faith in principle, in the something great which upholds right and which may be relied upon to give us the victory in due time. Without this faith, it is not possible for anyone to rise to real greatness. The man who has no faith in principle will always be a small man. Whether you have this faith or not depends upon your point of view. You must learn to see the world as being produced by evolution, as a something that is evolving and becoming, not as a finished work. Millions of years ago, God worked with very low and crude forms of life, low and crude, yet each perfect after its kind. Higher and more complex organisms, animal and vegetable, appeared through the successive ages. The earth passed through stage after stage in its unfolding, each stage perfect in itself, and to be succeeded by a higher one. What I wish you to note is that the so-called lower organisms are as perfect after their kind as the higher ones that the world in the Eocene period was perfect for that period. It was perfect, but God's work was not finished. This is true of the world today. Physically, socially, and industrially, it is all good, and it is all perfect. It is not complete anywhere or in any part, but so far as the handiwork of God has gone, it is perfect. This must be your point of view, that the world and all it contains is perfect, though not completed. 